Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. on the I am statements of Jesus if you've been around for the last few weeks and we thought this was just really important because you have Jesus talking about who he is and there's so many opinions in our world so many different um, claims about who Jesus is but we thought it would be really good to look at who Jesus says he is so I want to start off with by doing a bit of Bible trivia of all the animals in the Bible if you had to pick one that you think is most frequently mentioned which one would you think it was any ideas? I hear eagle, I hear lion. Lion, any more? Lamb. Sheep. Well done. Who said sheep or lamb? Go to the top of the class. Um, about 400 times, apparently, in the Bible, the Bible talks about lambs or sheep. Sheep. I don't know what the plural, not sheeps, is it? Um, But most of us, we live in London. I don't know how many sheep you see on your commute to work. Not really very many. Sheep aren't really a sort of part of our life, are they? But the Bible uses this language of sheep a lot. And when it it does so, it's trying to give us a, a sort of picture and a portrait of our relationship with God. So sheep aren't particularly smart. They're not particularly fierce or tough either. It's like almost... They're the least fierce thing. So if your children can't sleep, what do you do? You tell them to count sheep. Or if we heard that a lorry had overturned on the main road and there was a load of wild animals on the loose, we'd kind of like lock all the doors, lock ourselves in here. But then if we heard there were sheep, we'd be like, oh, let's go and have a look at the little sheep, shall we? So they're not particularly fierce or tough or smart. They're actually pacifist vegetarians. And uh, they're pacifists because they don't harm anyone or anything. And they're vegetarian. They just eat vegetables or grass. And and it's also kind of free range. They just wander around and then eat or sleep and then expect someone else to take care of them. And so what would happen in the Bible is that these free-range sheep would sort of live out in the pasture, eat what they wanted, find whatever they could to eat, lay down wherever they could. But they were really, really vulnerable. And predators could come at any point and attack and destroy them. And so this is where the shepherd would come in. And the shepherd would devote themselves to the oversight and the protection and the the care of the individual sheep and of the flock. And the Bible speaks of shepherds over 100 times. And in this section that we're looking at today in John chapter 10, it talks a lot about shepherd and sheep. And sheep, sheep, sheep. The, The... I don't know whether you've noticed in the Bible, but the Bible sometimes uses plain speech and literal speech, and then sometimes it uses figurative speech, things that are still true, but they're trying to give a a picture of something. And so this story has figurative speech in it. The shepherd is Jesus, and the sheep are us, which you might be a bit offended by, because I've just said that sheep aren't very smart, and they're not very tough. And you might be saying, well, I'm very smart for sheep, or I'm very tough. But it's like, well, we're tough for sheep. So we're going to look at what it means when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So if you have a Bible, 
If you don't have your own Bible, um, please take one. We've got some at the back of the hall. And if you would like one, please take one with our compliments. But in the meantime, the, the words will come up on the screen as well. So we're looking at John chapter 10 um, from verse 11. So it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so today we're going to look at this metaphor around Jesus, the good shepherd. And this text is what I'm going to propose. It's not primarily about shepherding, it's about leadership. And our culture aches for good leadership. It's groaning for good leadership, isn't it? It's aching the obvious in politics, particularly at the moment. Who do we trust to lead us? Can we trust religious institutions? Should we trust celebrities and their endorsements? What about our parents? Should we listen to them? If there's anyone under 18, yes, that's a yes. Um, who should we listen to? And there's, but there's so much abuse in leadership as well. And I almost feel like everybody I meet, particularly here in London, has this sort of deep, cynical suspicion about anybody who says, follow me, trust me. Like, you know, we just get suspicious about your, your power dynamics or your agenda that's behind it. I just can't sort of trust any kind of leadership. But here's the, here's the problem. We long to be led as people. We long for someone to give us a compelling picture of the future. And uh, it's, it's in the heart of human beings. Like, who, who can I really trust to lead and to care for me? Who can I hand myself over and say, look, I'll follow you because I trust that you're going to protect and care for my heart. Who can, trust, who can I trust to lead me into the future? And that's what really this passage is about. And Jesus is, uses this shepherding metaphor. And um, it's about something that used to happen in the, in the ancient East. This is first century Judaism. And the shepherd was a really prominent figure in the culture. They, um, they had this understanding that, that King David was a shepherd originally. And they had an understanding of the shepherd and his relationship to his sheep. They spent so much time with the sheep. They had these deep friendships with the sheep. They really cared for them. When I was practicing this, I kept saying friend sheeps. But I, I did it, friendship. So anyway... Um, if we, so if we go back, we see this fault line develop in the ministry of Jesus where the religious leaders of the day begin to hate him. So we kind of like want to go back and forward through um, John quickly. So at the end of John chapter 7, Jesus stands up at the festival of the, of the tabernacles on the last, the greatest day of the feast, and he announces with a loud voice, if anyone's thirsty, 
let him come to me at drink and drink. Such a weird claim. Can you imagine if someone in a church conference just stood up and said, come to me, all you are thirsty, and come and drink, and you'll never be thirsty again. You'd be just like, this person is out of their mind. What are they talking about? And that's why they say of Jesus, is he demon-possessed? Why is he talking about why is he talking like that? So they don't like Jesus' claims. And then John chapter 8, it's not just Jesus' religious claims. Um, in this chapter, they dragged the woman caught in adultery in front of Jesus, and they kind of did it as a bit of a trap. And then they got so frustrated because Jesus' rhetorical skills were a bit stronger than theirs, and they just, got, they just dropped their stones and ended up walking away. So they don't like Jesus' mercy. And then in John chapter 9, Jesus comes along and he heals a man um, who was born blind. And they don't like the, the time that he does it or the way that he does it. And so begi they begin to threaten him. They don't like Jesus' power. And so you've got this like fault line developing between the leaders of the time in Jesus' day and Jesus himself. And in these claims right here, we have this choice then, which Jesus is setting up. And he's saying... Who will you be led by? And this is kind of a bit of a, a leadership assertion by Jesus at this point, of this invitation to respond to his leadership, even though he's done all these kind of slightly weird and crazy things. And so we often think as people, don't we, we, we just don't, just not sure I trust that person. We have just sort of deep suspicions. But I think if we consciously don't choose a leader, we will subconsciously be influenced by somebody or something else. We will be led. We're not actually walking into a clear future that we've chosen. As the conspiracy theorists say, there's a war on for your mind. John, John Tyson, I don't know whether you've heard, he's a pastor and a church planter from New York City and sort of a leading thought uh, leader. He says, I've got a quote that comes up because it's too complicated to remember it. We've been culturally shepherded through choice architecture and the selective curation of information towards a gender. I'll say that once more. I, I had to say it a few times myself to actually understand it. We've been culturally shepherded through choice architecture and the selective curation of information towards a gender. So basically, we're like sheep. Um, I don't know whether you heard uh, or remembered this farming tragedy. I shouldn't be laughing, but it just makes me smile. There was a farming tragedy in Turkey about 14 years ago where 1,500 sheep were grazing on the hilltop, and one sheep just thought, I've had enough, I'm going off the edge, and he died. And then as the Turkish farmers were having their breakfast and left their, all their sheep out to graze, the other 1,499 decided to just jump off as well because they were following the first one. And um, th I think about four, only 400 of them died because the other sort of 1,100 sort of landed on the sheep. <laughs> sort of soft and fluffy landing. <laughs> so it's a bit sad. But my point is that one sheep is like, bah, and then the rest of us follow. That's, that's what happens. Politicians call, call the term sheeple. We're like sheeple. Just get one person, get a few celebrities, get them on board, and then the rest will follow. And so generally in society, we haven't had good leadership, particularly in the church. 
And the church has a track record of 2,000 years of abuse, coercion, control, and hypocrisy. Leadership under the church or institutions in history, it just hasn't seemed to have led to this wonderful flourishing life. And part of the critique is found in these verses in John chapter 10, verse 11 to 13, if we can go back. And there's a word that Jesus uses to critique this sort of leadership. And he uses the term hirelings or hired hand. And he says, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. You're going to have to bear with me here. Now, now every scholar or every commentary that you reference links this passage in John 10 with the passage in Ezekiel 34. Um, I didn't know this before I started looking at this today, uh, this last week. Um, But this is God's critique of the unjust leaders. And it was thought to be prophesying about the future Messiah as well. So forgive me if uh, there's quite a chunk of the Bible that I want to read, but I just find it fascinating the the way that the Old Testament and the New Testament links up. So um, Ezekiel 34 starts off by saying, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourself with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. And skip a couple of verses to verse 10. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on the day of clouds and darkness. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And then he ends up saying, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, will be the, I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. And so God is critiquing this sort of leadership and saying he's not okay with the injustice that's happened and how leaders or shepherds have behaved. But he's also foretelling that the son of David, who the Jews would have understood was the picture of the Messiah, that he would come and be their, sh- be their shepherd. And so when Jesus announces, I am the good shepherd, the Jews in that time would have immediately linked to this passage in Ezekiel and known that it was another way of referencing that he was the Messiah. Having, having spoken to many of you and heard some of your stories, I know that um, leadership in the church has not just been bad throughout the ages, but many of you are carrying the scars of being hurt by the church even today. 
and, and hurt by leadership. And as a church leader, as, as someone who carries the weight of responsibility for this flock, I, I just want to start by saying I'm really sorry. I, uh, Steve and I are by no means perfect, and I'm sure will offend many of you unintentionally in the future. But having been on the receiving end of unjust leadership myself, I, it can deeply wound. It can deeply wound and affect you. My, um, my family was brought up in a cult, and they left just before I was born. Um, but the so-called man of God who led this religious cult at the time would make up all sorts of weird and bizarre rules that everyone would follow and then would instill fear in people that they that independent thought was wrong and that they weren't allowed to question anything. And many people that have managed to leave have left God too because they were so hurt and they associated leadership with God. Um, my, f- my family miraculously decided to turn to Jesus and to, and to the Bible and began a radical search for truth. But I think this situation that I was born into made me really wary of any control issues in leadership and a real desire to never come under that myself, but also to never exert that myself either. But I recognize that there are people here today that are still hurting because of the abuse of power. Um, And I want to offer offer an opportunity for freedom today. Freedom to forgive, freedom to let go of some of the pain, freedom to receive God's healing, even when some of those wounds are, are really deep. And as it says in that passage in Ezekiel, God is angry at these shepherds and he will hold them accountable. One of the beautiful things about forgiveness is that if we hand over the justice issue to God, he is the God of justice. It's not up to us to exert justice. And I I just wonder in that process today of handing over some of that pain or the hurt or the injustice to God and then choosing to trust him as the good shepherd. Because I think what often happens is that we just have this massive correlation between people, people that have been leaders and God as a leader. And then we don't trust God. And so, uh, yeah, there'll be an opportunity at the end for, for you to respond to that if you want to. And lastly, I think we can shepherd ourselves. I, I honestly understand this. There was a time in my life when I thought I could do a better job of leading myself than God could. I thought, I'm pretty smart, I'm pretty thoughtful, I'm pretty discerning. I'm just going to trust myself. And to start with, I had quite a lot of fun, if I'm honest. Um, But after a while, the reality hit me. And I realized that I was actually a slave to things in my own heart that were leading me into dark places. And one of the things that we just find is that we actually can't lead ourselves. We need to be saved from ourselves. There are dark parts in, in all of our hearts. There are things from our past that keep coming up or things that we can't break free of. And so we try and lead ourselves, but we're just led and enslaved by our own desires. We need to be saved from ourselves. The um, John Tyson, again, the thought leader I referenced earlier, says from his research that what ends up happening in our lives is we think we're free to make decisions, but actually we're not free. There's subliminal cues 
thousands and thousands of subliminal cues that have shaped us over time, whether it's our family, our nationality, our culture, our nature of origin, our school friends, our employees, the media. And so all, all of this is in the background, forming this almost invisible subconscious web. And we think we're making rational, autonomous decisions, but actually we're being controlled by all of these micro points of information. We just can't see beyond these invisible forces that are shaping our lives. So we think we're autonomous, but in our hearts we actually can't lead ourselves. If, if you did just whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, uh, it would just be an absolute disaster, wouldn't it? So this is a bit depressing, but here's where Jesus comes in. And he comes into these power dynamics. And Jesus comes and makes a claim. He makes his, this leadership claim. And he says, I am the good shepherd. And I'm different in my leadership than any other thing that you've ever known before. I lay down my life for the sheep. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I, uh, actually, can we get it back on the, I think it's the second one. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. And so Jesus is not just a failed first century political revolutionary who got churned up in these tectonic plates of power. Jesus is the God of the universe in human flesh. And he kind of like voluntarily inserted himself into the cogs of human power to release a different kind of leadership. He laid down his life and he freely takes it up again. And this is, imp this is so important because we need somebody that's not only kind, we need someone who's strong. We need someone we can trust, but someone who can do the job. And that's who Jesus is. Jesus Christ himself leads to the best kind of life. But compared to what the religious leaders of the time were doing, Ezekiel 34, if we look at Jesus' life, his whole life was tending to the flock, strengthening the weak, bandaging the injured, rescuing the strays, seeking and saving the lost. His leadership is one of washing feet, blessing and loving those with sexual brokenness, bringing together most, the most culturally diverse group of people, from political terrorists and zealots and tax collectors and teenage fishermen. He gathered them all together and they all decided to submit their story under his leadership. And that's the story of many people here, that we've given our lives to Jesus. We've said, okay, look, even though I've got suspicion in my heart, even though I'm terrified of the history of the church, I hear your voice and your invitation, and it sounds like good news. Jesus sees you. He knows you by name. He laid down his life for you. And his leadership is extraordinary. He walked with the sheep. He could say, I'm the good shepherd, not just because he was this all-powerful, omnipotent God, but because he knows his sheep, and the sheep know him. Jesus entered into the human story 
he kind of got through the cocoon of suspicion. He laid down his life to rescue our hearts from sin and from cynicism and from doubt and despair. And so we can emerge into this life of flourishing. I think all of us ache for this. We ache for a sense of direction. We ache for leadership in our lives. So I just want to ask the question, who are you following? Who are you following? Because if we're, not sub, if we're not consciously following someone, we will subconsciously be led by something else or somebody else. Um, as Bob Dylan sung, you've got to serve somebody. And I, I, I don't even remember that song, so none of you are going to remember it. But um, we've, we, we have to serve somebody because otherwise we will subconsciously be serving somebody else. And so Jesus laid down his life for us. He wants to bring us into a better future. It's not necessarily an easier future. It's, it's really hard to go against culture. But maybe, maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're kind of thinking, oh, I actually get that. I see that Jesus laid down his life for me. I want Jesus to lead me. And, and if that's you, I just encourage you to respond to that. And I, I really feel like there's a number of people t here today that, um, that you've, just, you've, you've kind of forgotten who's leading you. And it's time to surrender again to the Good Shepherd. It's time to lay down your own agendas. It's time to lay down you thinking you're doing a pretty good job of leading yourself. It's time to trust that he really is good. And there's something so incredibly freeing about not being in charge. I don't want to be in charge of my life. It's too scary. But can we trust the person that created us? Any, any sheep that was without a shepherd back in that day was a dead sheep. Shepherd, sheep need a shepherd to protect for them, to, to, to care for them, to nurture them, to lead them. And Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. I devote my whole life to the well-being of my flock. And it's time to surrender. It's time to give back leadership in your life to the good shepherd. Time to let go of some of the hurt and resentment towards leadership that's hurt you in the past. Choose to trust that God is good. And so we're going to uh, maybe ask the band to come back up and we're going to have another time of worship. But I, I just want to ask you the question, who's leading you? Who's, who are you following this morning? And if that's a bit of a jolt, like come forward, come pray this morning. There's nothing like magical down here, but it's just a sign that you're going... I'm actually doing a bit of an about turn and I'm going to choose to trust you again, God. And, and if, there are, if there are places in your heart where you've been really deeply wounded by church in the past, come and take a step towards freedom today. I'm not saying that this is just suddenly going to magically go overnight, but choose to make that first step where you go, actually, I want to, I want to choose forgiveness. I want to release those people from my judgment. So why don't we stand?
Jesus, I thank you that you're good. I thank you that you are so trustworthy. I thank you that you are the good shepherd. And we just, uh, we kind of just examine our own hearts and we just ask that you would look into, into our hearts and just say, who, who are you being led by this morning? And I just, I just want to say I surrender to you this morning again. I surrender to your leadership. I thank you that it's not up to me. But I surrender to, to the good shepherd. I surrender to your leadership. And again, if, if there are hurts that you want to pray through, feel free to come down the front. But just, it might be you just want to come to the cross and just kneel before the cross and say, yeah, Jesus, I'm just going to follow you again. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you are inviting us into a deeper relationship with you this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.